first want to introduce myself here as we begin this first podcast and begin this adventure together. I want to say hello to all of you out there listening. It's certainly something new that I years ago would have never guessed that I would start it, but so we are called and so we go. The title of the podcast is Living a Whole Christian Life. And I enter into this with certainly a lot of excitement. Um, I'll admit also some nervousness. This is a brand new venture for me and something, like I said earlier, that I wouldn't have guessed I would be doing. But sometimes you're just, you go forward in, in faith and allow the rest to be as it will be. Much of the content from this podcast is going to be taken from my book, Holiness, Holiness with a W-H, The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven, which can be found on my website or on Amazon. And my name is Jim Schrader, or actually James Francis Schrader. I was born in Indianapolis, raised in Evansville for most of my life. We, we moved down there back when my dad was from at the age of two. Lived there all the way up through entering into college at Ball State University. After graduating from Ball State University, my wife, who was a year behind me at University of Evansville, uh, we married in 2000. For the first six years of our life, life was a lot about education and training. I was actually in graduate school at St. Louis University, went on to do my internship at University of Louisville School of Medicine um, before coming back to Washington University, St. Louis Children's Hospital for postdoc for clinical psychology. And as life often has it, the first we would say six years of our life was relatively quiet. And then the floodgates opened up. We had our first two kids, our, our twins, Zach and Emma, back in 2006. Soon to follow became Matthew. And at that point, we realized either we're going to need a bigger house here in St. Louis, or we're going to have to come back home to Evansville. Fortunately, at that time, there was St. Mary's Center for Children was just opening up. It was in its infancy. And so we made our way back to Evansville in 2008. And then the floodgates really opened up. Well, long story short, I am now a father, married father of eight children. Our twins are now 15 years old, and their youngest, Kate, is two, two and a half. And so we go from Kate to Sam and all the way up to Lewis and Will and Noah and Matthew and Zach and Emma. And so I am currently the vice president of the Department of Psychology of Wellness at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center in Evansville, Indiana. I've been there now for going on four years. Um, I'm also the training director of the um, internship, the predoctoral internship in clinical psychology and the postdoctoral fellowship in clinical and developmental psychology. On my side, my free time, I had about 10 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago or so, I guess, got into writing more. I initially started out writing articles and then again, I just kind of felt called to write a couple books initially and and that has eventually kind of evolved into uh, five books, one of which being Holiness, and my newest um, entitled Confessions of a Carless Commuter, What 40,000 Motorless Miles Taught Me About Life. Along the way, I do a lot of speaking, just kind of about various topics. I'll often, I mean, topics that we'll, we'll talk about here in this podcast, but whether it's related to sleep or technology or just kind of everyday life, there's um, a lot of speaking and a lot of interesting topics to explore. And so, Life is certainly very, very busy, boy, more than I ever expected or could have imagined when uh, Amy and I married over 21 years ago. And so it's a full life. Um, it's a frenetic life. I'll admit it's sometimes a very stressful life, but it is I'm very, very fortunate to have a life full of meaning at this point. And, you know, constantly gives me things to think about, constantly gives me things to reflect on. And 
as you'll as you'll come to know through this podcast, so much that I have written about, you know, it does come through life experiences. I mean, there's a lot of other kind of information that and for through research and, and other things, but life has certainly brought some unique circumstances my way and some unique, many unique gifts. And so, you know what? I'm blessed to be able to have, I guess, plenty to write about, plenty to speak about, and and really, most importantly, plenty to just continue to appreciate and understand. And so what we're going to do here as we go forward, and, and, and we're going to really kind of shoot for, you know, a goal every week to really work through what it means, the idea of holiness. And But like a lot of things, I think that the best thing we can do before we even enter into what is holiness with the WH, um, I th- I'd like to tell a story. And this is a story that years ago seemed rather mundane. It seemed like something that you would just do every day. And actually what it was is that it began with my friend and I taking our kids camping. And we, we decided to take them over to German Ridge Campground in Hoosier National Forest, Steve and I, and take some of our oldest kids. And we thought, you know what, it'd be great to kind of go into the campground there, hike around a little bit, come out back at night and camp out, enjoy the campfire. And, you know, I, I grew up outdoors and my parents camped a lot and I've camped throughout my life and, and been fortunate to get into backpacking in the last 10 to 15 years. And so, you know, like a lot of experiences that we have, it didn't seem that remarkable. It seemed like something enjoyable. Of course, it wasn't without a lot of work and coordination, but it didn't really seem that remarkable in and of itself. But all of you probably had experiences before where you enter into it, it seems rather mundane and commonplace. And then as the experience is taking place, you recognize that actually what seems very average is honestly anything but. Ordinary starts to become extraordinary. And, you know, as I was kind of experiencing that that day and that night, um, Amy would tell you, I later came home. And, you know, over the years, I've been fortunate to kind of publish hundreds of articles and uh, five books at this point. But there hasn't been a whole lot of times in my life where I just felt like something was bursting forth from my chest. Something was just, it had to get out. It was an experience that I knew really belied just the simplicity of what it seemed to be. And so I came home and I just, I I remember sitting in the front room and I I just almost exploding and I had to write. I just felt so deeply called to write. And it wasn't, it's one of those situations where I wasn't even thinking about what I was writing. I just felt very moved that whatever came out was what was supposed to be. Well, little did I know that years and years later, this would be an introduction to a book. At the time, it was just a simply kind of full as the scene, the spirit was leading me. But later in life, I didn't realize this, but um, it would be the intro to this book, Holiness, that we're going to talk a lot about this year and, and really, again, the mission behind holiness. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read the story as it was bursting from me. I'm going to read it exactly as it is in the book. I really just want to provide this as an introduction. It, it, it's going to frame our discussion throughout the year. And there's a lot of content. There's a lot of things that might hit you in a particular way. It might hit you, maybe rub you the wrong way. I don't know. But it, I, what I can tell you about this is that it's as authentic as I can get. As so many of us just appreciate stories, kind of frame what we talk about. So I'm going to tell the story here. I awoke to a flickering light. Sitting up, I thought for a moment I had left my headlamp on. As I listened to the varied sounds of breathing around me, I discerned that the light was coming from the campfire that had stubbornly refused to go out. 
I stepped out of the tent in the breeze of a perfectly cool night. The stars brilliantly looked down upon me. Making my way to the bathroom across the gravel road, there was only silence. The day before, Steve and I had taken our four oldest kids for a wilderness adventure in the German Ridge area of the Hoosier National Forest. We had hiked up hills together, prayed over meals, and watched them as they joyfully scrambled over rocks and hopped through creek beds. Laughter was never far away. Even when complaints of tired feet crept in, they were suddenly entranced by the allure of hidden caverns and secret passageways. The next morning, a brief rain shower would usher us out of camp to a nearby country church. There, just the prior Tuesday, my great-great-uncle Charles, the last of a great lineage, was buried where my great-grandmother laid in rest. I wonder just how many in our bloodline prayed and praised next to me as I contemplated the extraordinary meaning buried in our ordinary day. Lying in the tent, listening to a nearby owl bring the sleepy forest alive, the multiplicity of my being seemed as near as the dirt beneath my head. We had come in search of a brief adventure for our kids and ourselves. Along the way, I found myself immersed in the physical, social, psychological, and spiritual realities. The rocky, rooty trail spoke to my toes as the smell of pine emanated to my soul. My mood lifted as I gazed from the ridgeline of the hollows and the hills far beyond. Conversation ensued about many matters, of simple topics and challenging days, and of persimmons littering the forest floor and the acorns scattered galore. And the spirituality oozed forth through formal prayers and mass time traditions to layers and layers of ancient stone. In reflecting on my perpetual search for well-being and communion with others, can't help but sense that we will not find it unless it's in raw form. Physically, as we move further away from the rhythmic patterns of sleep and of satiety and the seasonal discomforts to a life that is dictated by the search for convenience and comfort and frivolous complexities, I wonder just how our bodies will know what it feels like to meet our earth. Psychologically, when I seek to avoid and pull back and resign Socially, when I seek to disconnect and detach for long periods of time, I wonder how I'll meet myself and others in true form. And spiritually, when I find worldly excuses to explain and rationalize what I do and forego opportunities to look beyond, I wonder if a laugh will just be a laugh, if a death will just be a death. Often when advice is given and received to improve each of these four dimensions, it is done in resignation. We're told to eat our raw vegetables, but often begrudge that it's no fun. We are given strategies to decrease our anxiety, but feel it's just too much work. We know that we should set up times to talk to each other about important matters, but a text seems much less daunting. And when we are given ways to pray and sacrifice, the abstractness and mysterious of it all seems to lead us to seek assurance in other ways. And still, we all seek greater well-being, harmony, and rhythm. We all seek a renewal that the forest knows so, so well. But in seeking this out, the layers between us and the dirt under our feet gets thicker and more soundproof and more contrived. It is understandable. So often we've been mistreated and scorned and felt physically ill and tired and despondent and afraid and agnostic because what we desire most spits in our face, abuses us, and says goodbye. Then we run from the forest, vowing to never come back. When this occurs, it seems that we depart from our humanity into the facade of an existence enclosed by many walls 
and locks intended to keep us safe and unembarrassed. But somewhere, the owl calls us in the night, even if we do not discern the source of her reverberating voice. And she tells us that in running and seeking impenetrable shelter, our humanness, our soulful, fleshy, imperfect humanness is slipping away. In the darkness, the who asks that question of us. Who are we? The answer is chilling. We are hydrogen and oxygen combined, bright red corpuscles of blood, sinewy fibers of unfathomable strength and enough neurons to span the world many times over. We are industrious thoughts and deep feelings and desires with tremendous hopes in search of purpose and understanding. We are faces and gazes and hugs and tears of many generations who have raised their children and loved and warred through eras and epochs and eons of years. But above all, as Pierre Tail Chardin once said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And removing ourselves further from our being incarnate, it seems impossible to expect that we will ever come to know just who we are. The person that we will come to know will only be an approximation of the being that resides inside. We will look in the mirror and wonder who that person is and who that person is to become. We will find ourselves staring at a stranger whom we did not let into our home, who has been slowly stealing from us in the night. But if we seek out authentic well-being of whatever sort it may be, then we must resolve ourselves to go back home into the dark, forbidding silence that we have run from so many times before. We must confront the owl in the night and yell back, It is me! We must leave our phones and heaters and televisions and insurance policies behind and seek out the snowstorms when they arrive and the hills when they begin to flood in our everyday lives. We must do the hard work, not because we have to or because we should, but because we internally believe a sighting will come. Only then will a shadow emerge in the twilight of the morning, eerily familiar from days harkened past and decades yet unknown. In doing this, it is time we let go of the status quo and not simply jog regularly because it's good for us and pray in superstition. We must eat in ways that let us traverse the mountains and speak to others so honestly and compassionately that we are startled by what we just said. We must confront the anxieties that limit us so that one day a walk past him no longer evokes fear, but courage within. And we must embrace our spiritual religious beings so when our own wake is just days away, that impossible supernatural tale does not haunt us because we've turned our back on its eternal call. It's time to embrace the four dimensions of our being. It is time to lay awake at night and say, thank you, God, for this miraculous ability to breathe and for these people breathing next to me, who sometimes drive me crazy, but give me the opportunity to love. It is time to go home where we began, to play in the mud and seek out answers to questions never thought answerable and resolutions to conflicts seemingly unresolvable. If we do, in the depths of our cortex and the chambers of our heart, we will begin to find our way back home. Home to a dimension that we have always known and yet never really truly knew, where fear of any kind has no room in the place where we will go. And so our journey begins, living a whole Christian life. I'm really excited to be in this journey with you. See you next week. 
Behold, behold.